Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and open to the book of Mark, the book of Mark chapter number five, if you would. Mark chapter five this morning. I want to begin by reading our text, which will begin in verse 21 of Mark 5. And we'll read down all the way through the end of the chapter, verse 43. You can follow along there as I, as I begin reading in verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him. And he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Telethakumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and command that something be given her to eat. Heavenly Father, I pray as we look into your word today that you would teach us what we need to know, and that through the truth of Scripture, you would grow our faith. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What is faith? Faith, if you want to give it the most simple definition, is simply believing what God says. And when you think of it that way, you realize that faith is not complicated. Now, sometimes it's very difficult because life is complicated and life is confusing. 
But having faith is simply the choice to believe what God says, even if it doesn't make sense to you, and even if you don't understand how that works in your current situation. In Mark chapter 5, in the verses that we've read, we find a wonderful story that teaches us some key facts about faith. A man approached Jesus one day because he had a problem he couldn't solve. His little girl was dying. He asked Jesus to come and heal her, and on the way, they're interrupted by a woman who also has a problem that she can't solve. She reaches out and secretly touches the hem of Jesus' garment and is immediately healed. And, and, and Jesus stops and has a conversation with her. During that delay, a servant from the, the, the ruler's house comes and tells him that his daughter has died. Don't bother Jesus anymore. But Jesus says to this man, fear not, believe only. They proceed to the man's house, and when they get there, people are already mourning. And Jesus tells them that she's not dead, but only sleeping, and they laugh him to scorn. So finally, he and just a few others go in, and the Lord Jesus Christ raises this girl back to life. In the end, great joy came to that home and astonishment to all of those that are around. Why? Because God rewards faith. He rewards saving faith. That is, when you have faith in the gospel, He rewards saving faith with eternal life. But He continues to reward the saved that live by faith by doing extraordinary things in their lives and answering their prayers. If you want to see God solve big problems and you want to see enormous needs met in your life, then you need to have faith that God can and God will do it. I want to share with you five, or, or uh, I don't think it's five. I think it's four. We'll found them as we go. Several facts about faith. Faith fact number one is this. Faith goes to work. Faith goes to work. Some people have the idea that faith, because when we talk about being saved, we say we're saved by faith and not by works, which is absolutely true. Some people mistakenly think then that faith does nothing, that faith is inactive. But that's actually the opposite of the truth. We do not earn our salvation by works. We receive salvation by faith. But genuine faith is faith that will be put into action. It is not passive, but it is active. And we see this illustrated in this particular story in this father who came to Jesus. He was faced with a very dire, very difficult situation that he could not solve. His daughter was dying. We don't know a lot of the backstory. We don't know what the disease was. We don't know how long she had been sick. We don't know what measures this father had taken already to try and uh, heal her and to, and to uh, save her, to rescue her. But we do know that when he got to Jesus, he was at the end of his rope. And rather than just sitting there by his daughter's bedside, mourning her coming passing, this father decided, while I still can, I'm going to do something. I'm going to go to Jesus. We don't know how he heard about Jesus. Stories about Jesus had been circulating for some time now, so we can conclude reasonably that he heard about Jesus through word of mouth. 
and the miracles that Jesus had done, but we don't know that there's been any other encounter between this man and Jesus before this incident. But this man said, I am going to go to Jesus because I believe, based on what I've been told, that Jesus can heal my daughter. So he left his daughter dying and went and found Jesus to deliver this one request. Jesus, please come and heal my daughter. His faith went to work. He went out and he found Jesus. Faith is not the same as works. They're different. But here's the truth. Real faith works. Turn over to the book of James for a moment. James chapter 2 is a, is a portion of Scripture that some people have struggled with because they mistakenly think that it's teaching salvation by works. James' point in James chapter 2 is not to say that we are saved by our faith, but that our faith that saves us is demonstrated by the works that it produces. Notice what he says in verse 18 of James chapter 2. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. That's the point of what James is going to say in chapter 2 is that our works demonstrate, they show that we have faith. You see, you and I can say, I believe God. We can say that all day long, but if our life doesn't back that up, those words are empty. Because genuine faith in God will be backed up, will be supported and demonstrated by the works that that faith produces. James used a couple of examples here. One is Abraham. Another is Rahab. Rahab is a very unlikely example of faith in our opinion because of her background. She was the harlot in Jericho that hid the spies that were sent out by Joshua. But you know what? Rahab came to faith in God. James 2.25, look there. He says, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? Now, when he says justified, he doesn't mean in the eyes of God, but he means justified in the eyes of men. In other words, how do we know that Rahab really believed in the true God? In Joshua chapter 2, we don't have time to go there, but where we find Rahab's story, she had already told the spies, listen, we know your God is the real God. We've known it for 40 years. Since we heard that God delivered you out of Egypt and across the Red Sea, all of the people of this land have been afraid of you. We know that your God is the real God. She had already said it. But how do we know that those words were real? She demonstrated it with her actions. So that later when they came back to the town of Jericho, the only people who survived was Rahab and those who were with her in her house. She had faith. Her faith was expressed verbally, but it was demonstrated in her actions when she received the messengers and sent them out another way and demonstrated her faith. Notice at verse 26 of James chapter 2 what it says. It says, For, without, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. In other words, if you claim to have faith, but that faith is not put into action in your life, whatever you claim to have as faith is not real faith. Because real faith will produce real works. 
Works is to faith what the Spirit is to the body. Without it, it is dead. It's that which proves it to be alive. Genuine saving faith is dynamic and it is demonstrative. And so when we see Jairus going out, seeking Jesus and petitioning him, he is demonstrating that he believes. His words say it and his actions. So, faith fact number one, faith goes to work. Faith fact number two, faith knows how to deal with desperation. Faith knows how to deal with desperation. We see this already in the, in, in the story of Jairus. as he, he, was, he had a problem that he and no one else that he knew could solve. So in his moment of desperation, what did he do? He went to Jesus. But even as Jesus is responding to this man and going to this man's house, we see another demonstration of the same truth. Because on the way, as they're going, there's a crowd of people that is just pressing in on them. Everybody wants to see Jesus. Everybody wants to talk to Jesus. Everybody wants to ask Jesus something, ask Him to do something. And as they're going through this this crowd and they're trying to make their way to Jairus' house, the Bible tells us that a certain woman, we don't even know her name in this passage, it just says a certain woman who had a disease. And the Bible tells us that she had had this disease for 12 years. It was an issue of blood. It was a disease that would have made her uh, not only physically frustrated and having to deal with a physical ailment, but emotionally and also mentally it would have encompassed her life because based on Old Testament law, she would have been considered unclean and would have had to have stayed uh, pretty much in isolation throughout the entire time that she had this sickness. This was a serious disease. And notice, listen to verse 26 of how it describes, back in Mark chapter 5, how it describes this woman's problem. It says that she had suffered many things of many physicians. It's almost like, you know, she had modern health care, right? No offense, Dr. Rahman. (laughs) Usually physicians are supposed to alleviate the suffering. And most of them do the best they can. We'll give them credit for that. But this woman had not found any relief at the hands of the doctors, only further suffering. Then it says that she had spent all that she had. She had gone broke seeking treatment for this disease. It says that she was nothing bettered. It didn't help her one bit. None of the treatments, none of the cures, none of the medicines, nothing had done anything to help her get better. But instead, verse 26 says, she only grew worse. This is just layer upon layer upon layer of problem here. This problem had completely taken over her life. Every moment of every day was spent dealing with this problem and she could not find help anywhere. She was desperate. But in her desperation, she said in verse 28 to herself, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She had such faith in Jesus that she believed she didn't even have to get a a special attention from Him if she could just touch His clothes, that Jesus had enough power that He could heal her just through that contact. So she presses through this crowd, something which, by the way, she wasn't supposed to be doing. 
But she took the risk, she pressed through the crowd, she reached out, she secretly touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus immediately knew what had happened. The Bible tells us that when she did that, verse 29, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. She knew it right away. And then there was this conversation, which we'll get to in just a moment. But what I want you to see with me here is that both Jairus and this woman, they had come to a point of absolute desperation. And when you get to that point in your life, you have a decision to make, where else am I going to turn? Many people make the wrong choice. Many people turn to more doctors. Many people turn to other friends. Many people turn to chemicals and drugs that will dull their pain. And few people turn to the right place, which is to turn to God. In times of desperation, we're tempted to rely on our own wit, our own resources, or our own power to rely on money or influence or reputation, friends or family. But in doing all of those things, we show that faith is not real. That what we said was our faith was not a real faith. Because when it came down to it and there was a problem bigger than we could solve or anybody else could solve, instead of turning to God, we turned away from Him. And we demonstrated that our faith was nothing more than faith in word only. These two people turned to Jesus because Jesus alone could solve their problem. Real faith knows how to deal with desperation. It goes to God, the only one who can solve all of our problems. Can I say that I am thankful for the times where we have nowhere else to turn but to God? Have you ever been there? If you ever had a problem so big in your life that there was literally nowhere else to turn but God. I'm thankful for times like that because it reminds us, it teaches us that God and God alone has the answers. But it is far better for us to turn to God first rather than last. It's far better, as Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, to simply have faith in God than have to exhaust ourselves and our resources and only after we have exhausted every other avenue then to go to God. Far better to go to God first. So Jesus turned and asked the question, who touched my clothes in verse number 30? And His disciples were kind of amused. What do you mean, who touched you? Don't you see this big, giant crowd of people all around you, Jesus? Everybody's trying to touch you. And Jesus said, no, no, someone touched me. He perceived that virtue had gone out of him. And he looked round about, and he saw her. And what was her response? She was afraid. She's like, oh, no, I'm in trouble now. But she came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And what did Jesus say in verse 34? He didn't scold her. Thy faith hath made thee whole, he said. Go in peace and be whole of that plague. I'm so thankful that Jesus said that to her. He didn't say, well, why didn't you ask God 12 years ago to heal you? He did not say, 
don't you wish you hadn't spent all that money on the doctors? It's not what he said. No, what did he do? He comforted her. God is a God of grace and mercy. And we do a lot of very silly things, to put it mildly. But when we confess, when we repent, we turn to God in faith. You know what God does? He forgives, He cleanses, and He accepts, and He comforts us. Just like He did for this woman. She was healed, and she was comforted. Jesus said, go in peace. Go in peace. Faith knows how to deal with desperation. It goes to God. Faith fact number three. Real faith endures through delays and setbacks. While this is going on with this this woman, the Bible tells us in verse 35 that someone came from Jairus' house and said, Thy daughter's dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Put yourself in his position. Can you even imagine the sinking feeling that would come into the pit of your stomach to hear those words? While you were gone, seeking the one who you firmly believed could cure your daughter, she breathed her last breath. You weren't even there at her bedside to hold her hand while she died. And this man... Whoever it was that came from his house tells him in just simple terms, she's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Humanly speaking, this was now a hopeless situation. What hope is there for a person who has died? And so this servant or whoever it was from Jairus' house said what everybody else would have been thinking. It's no use. Why bother? Why bother? He says that in verse number 35. Why troublest thou the master any further? What's the use? Why bother him? There's no use living in denial. It's done. It's over. It's time to move on. Accept it. There's other work that needs to be done now. You've got a wife and a family that needs consoling. Now you've got to make plans for a funeral. There's other things that need your attention. Stop bothering Jesus. Come home. And let's just deal with the aftermath. But what did Jesus say? Jesus, verse 36, He heard what was said and He said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid. Only believe. I wish we could ingrain those words in our minds so that every time we are tempted to doubt, they come up loud and clear. Be not afraid. Only believe. Be not afraid, he said. Isn't that the problem that we face? We give in to our fears and we we let our fears replace faith with doubt. Well, let's think about that for a moment. What is fear anyway? Fear is nothing more than the feeling that something bad is going to happen. That's what fear is. It's just you feel like 
that, that anxiety, that tension, that nervousness, that, that, that anticipation of something terrible that's going to happen. It's akin to worry, which worry is nothing more than the fear of our own imagination. And our fear may be based on real circumstances, or, and it may be propped up by previous disasters or tragedies. But at its heart, understand this, fear is based on something that does not yet exist. It's the feeling of apprehension that something bad is going to happen, but it doesn't yet exist. What did this man have to fear? A lot. He was afraid that he, was, that he had missed his, his daughter's passing. He was afraid that he would never hear her voice again. He was afraid that he would never get to hold her hand and walk through the garden. He was afraid that she would never grow up and get married and have a family of her own and all of these other things that this man would have been afraid of in that moment. But Jesus said, Be not afraid. Only believe. But the fact, the fact, the fact was she was dead. You couldn't argue that fact. It was so real to everybody there that when Jesus said otherwise, they laughed at him. She is dead. But here's the thing about faith. The fact that she was dead didn't matter one bit to Jesus. Didn't make any difference to him. Raising people from the dead was kind of his specialty. Faith, listen to this, faith does not look at what is or fear what might be. Faith believes what God says and what God can do. Faith doesn't look at what is or fear what might be. Faith believes what God says and what God can do. The story of Abraham is used in Hebrews 11 as an example of faith. When God told Abraham that he wanted him to offer his only son Isaac, Abraham obeyed in setting out to take his son up to the top of the mountain. And he got all the way on the top of the mountain, had his son on the altar, had the knife raised in the air before God stopped him. And you think about that story and you wonder what was going through Abraham's mind that he would be willing to go that far. Hebrews 11 tells us what was going through his mind. Verse 19 says, that Abraham was accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Abraham had been given a promise. God said, in Isaac shall thy seed be. But now God was saying, kill him. And so Abraham, the only way he could reconcile it was to think, I guess God's going to raise him from the dead. And Abraham was willing to go to those lengths because he had faith that God would do what he said he would do. In spite of the facts and in spite of the fear of the future, he believed in God. He had faith. Jairus learned to follow Jesus by faith, even through delays and downturns. Number four, real faith will be mocked by those who don't believe. 
we won't spend but just a moment here, but when they get to the house, Jesus sees all the people mourning the death of this little girl, this precious little 12-year-old girl is no longer with them and people are understandably distraught. And so Jesus says, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead but sleepeth. And what did they do? Verse 40, they laughed him to scorn. They laughed. Everyone laughed at Jesus for what he said because it sounded ridiculous to those who don't believe. I mean, let's be honest. If you and I were standing there, how would we have responded? Maybe you had been in the house. Maybe you had already seen this little girl's lifeless body. And now you've gone outside and you are mourning with everyone else. And here comes Jesus and he says, what are you crying for? She's not dead. She's only sleeping. How would you and I respond? We would probably think like they thought, that's ridiculous. I know what I saw. I didn't see a sleeping girl. I know what a little sleeping child looks like. That girl was dead. And they laughed him to scorn. And they laughed because they just didn't believe. They didn't have faith. They were walking by sight. I thought about this as I was, as I was going over this and studying this out. I thought about just how inappropriate it was for them to be laughing and scorning at this time. Little girls just died. And, and you're going to make jokes about the Son of God who has come to heal her? This was no time to be laughing or scorning anyone. A little girl had died. Secondly, if they knew who Jesus was, they would not have laughed at Him at all. If they believed who He really was, then they wouldn't have been laughing. And then I thought of this. You'll forgive me for putting it this way, but it would be Jesus who would get the last laugh. Because He would heal this little girl and they would see her running and playing once again and they would realize, oh, that's why He said that. Don't be surprised, though, if some people mock you for believing in the face of overwhelming odds. People often mock things they don't understand or that they refuse to believe. It's okay. Just believe. Just believe. And finally, I didn't end up with five facts here. Faith fact number five, faith is rewarded with extraordinary blessings. Faith is rewarded with extraordinary blessings. What did Jesus do? Well, He came into the house and after putting everybody else out, but just a few, including the mother and father of this little girl, He went in and with a word He healed her. Talitha kumai, He said. Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And immediately, life came back into her and she arose. It doesn't get any more extraordinary than that. Think about this. This little girl had a story to tell for the rest of her life. Imagine her, maybe she's about 15 or 16. And she's, she's standing around with some friends and they're talking about things that have happened to them. And one girl's like, did I ever tell you about that time that I got bit by the snake? Oh, and they talk about it. Another girl's like, did I tell you about the time that I fell out of a tree and broke my arm? Yeah, they're talking about that. And then this girl, Jairus' daughter, pipes up and says, Did I ever tell you about the time I died? Boy, she had a story to tell. 
for the rest of her life. She was a literal, living and walking testament to who Jesus Christ is and what He can do. To say it was an extraordinary blessing to that girl, to her father and mother, and to all the people who witnessed it that day is an understatement. God rewards faith. And He rewards extraordinary faith with extraordinary blessings. Remember Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, rise and be cast in the sea and it will be done for you. Have faith in God. What does Hebrews 11.6 say about faith? That without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Do you really believe this morning that God is a rewarder? You say, well, I believe in God. I believe that He exists. I believe what the Bible says, that He created everything. I believe in the gospel. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, was buried, and rose again. That's great. That's wonderful. You need to believe that. Do you believe now also that He's a rewarder of you if you diligently seek Him? See, right there sometimes is where it breaks down. Because things happen to us in life that we can't explain and we can't understand and bad stuff and, it's, and, and we begin to question what God says. We get the news that our daughter has died and we say, I guess I was wrong. And we don't believe anymore. We begin to doubt and to question whether or not God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We begin to wonder. We begin to fear the what-ifs about the future. We begin to fear about all the bad things that, let's be real, they could happen. And we let our fear replace our faith with doubt. Maybe sometimes we're afraid that if, we, if we're anticipating blessing that we're somehow sinning against God, like we're... We're being selfish. Listen, God did not give us the promises that He gave us. If he, he wouldn't have given those if He knew that in believing the promises we would be selfish. That's, no, God gave us these promises so that we would have hope in God. It's not selfish to have hope in God. It's not selfish to take God at His word. It's not selfish to believe what God says. It's okay to anticipate the blessings that will come when you have faith. Now certainly our motivation should not be purely selfish. It, it, we don't believe God just to get stuff. God's not our, our genie, you know, that we get the three wishes. And No, that's not God. We understand that. We have to have a proper perspective that uh, we, we believe we have faith because God commands it. We have faith because it honors God. But the promise of reward for faith is given so that we might have hope while we wait and joy when we receive the blessing. Hebrews 11.1 1 is a verse you may know. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for. Faith and hope are linked. If you're a hopeless person, it's because you are faithless. You're not believing. 
Because if you really believe that God is good and God will do good and that God will hear and God will answer your prayer, then you would have the hope, that anticipation of good things to come. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And that hope, that, that happy anticipation is not based upon just our whims and our fancies. It's based upon the promises of God. When God said all things work together for good, that's something we can hang our hope on. When the psalmist said, God is good and doeth good, that's something we can hang our hopes on. When God said, lean not unto thine own understanding, but all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's something you can hang your hopes on. Have faith in God. Second Corinthians 5.7 tells us, For we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, life is full of problems. Some of them, small problems, we feel pretty confident we can solve. Many of them are big problems, so complicated and confusing that we know that it's beyond us. But whether little or large, we need to have faith that God will solve our problems. And when we have a need, we need to bring it to God because faith goes to work. When we're at the end of our rope, we need to go to God because faith knows how to deal with desperation. When the answer is taking longer than we want it to, we need to have faith because faith endures through delays and setbacks. When other people misunderstand or mock us because we are trusting in God, we need to have faith. Because we acknowledge that sometimes faith will be mocked by those who don't believe. And we need to continue to have faith, knowing that God has said He will reward those who diligently seek Him. Have faith in God. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the story that we've read today and how it so wonderfully explains what real faith looks like in practice. And Lord, I know that for me, it reveals a lot of ways that my faith falls short. Lord, I confess that, that there, are, there are times where I doubt and I give in to fear and worry instead of just trusting you. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith, that you would grow our faith through answered prayer, that we would learn more and more what you can and will do for us. Lord, that when we are faced with the temptations to doubt and to fear and to worry, that we would make the right choice to just trust and have faith in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed this afternoon. I know some of you have seen these truths at play in your own life over the years. You could testify and tell your own stories about how God has, has answered your prayer and solved your problems and worked in your behalf when you had faith. Can I tell you, so important we don't forget those lessons. 
Because there's going to be other trials that come. There's going to be other problems that we have to face. And if we forget the lessons we learned in the past, we, we might have to take the class again, you know. Don't forget to have faith. Some of you this morning, maybe you're going through something right now. And this, this message from the Word of God has been a, a, both a challenge and an encouragement to you. A challenge to have more faith and an encouragement that if you will, God will reward. But what I want to do right now is give you an opportunity to respond to the message yourself. If God has spoken to you through His Word, and I believe He has, you need to respond to Him today. God's convicted you about doubt, confess it. If God's encouraged you, tell Him thank you for it. Maybe there's a specific problem that like Jairus and this woman, you need to go to Jesus about that problem right now. But now's your opportunity. God has spoken with you for you to do business with the Lord as the